Enis Sheu, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being on. A uh, big fan of yours, followed you for a long time. You're a force to be reckoned with in Boston, White Acre Properties. Uh, tell us a little more about yourself uh, and, and how you got started. I mean, how do you get started in your <laughs> in your industry? In real estate investing. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for, for um, the opportunity. I, you know, I... I uh... I listen to the shows, and when you get guys like Gary Vee on the podcast, I I feel like I have to perform. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're good. Uh, you're good. But um, it, I mean, it's not easy breaking into real estate investing, right? So um, we run a small company here in Greater Boston. Um, started back in 2014 when it it was much easier to get into real estate because prices were lower, um, and you could find deals. You could find some deals on the MLS, but it was also much easier to find deals off market. Um, so I, I definitely feel for people trying to start now because it's extremely competitive, right? Numbers don't make sense. Prices are so high. Properties rates are high. high. Rates are very high. So you've you got this perfect storm. Um, but so we got started basically after the sale of another business. We owned a restaurant back then, sold that business, got some money from the sale, and wanted to get started on something else. Um, real estate investing has been back on the back of my mind for a while. It's, it's just something that I saw other people invest and grow and, and become wealthy through it. And I said, you know what? I want to learn this business. So 2014 is really when we said, we got nothing else to do right now. We need something to do. So we jumped into it. Uh, and it was me and my brother that started the company. Congrats. W was the first deal a fix and flip or did you hold no. it? No, the first one, actually, he, my brother, got that building, but it was a six-unit rental building in Ulster. Um, he found it on the MLS, purchased it for uh, a six-family. He purchased it in 2000, I think maybe it was late 2013, for 350000 Wow. Yeah, and it was cash flowing about $3,000 a month uh, after you paid everybody. <laughs> um, that's that's insane. That's right? Yeah, you can't. You're probably looking at that, that same property is probably worth what a million and a half over a million. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so that was the first one. He saw the power of the cash flow coming in. He was like, hey, how can we do more of this? Uh, the struggle that you run in that process is that the next building that you got to purchase, right? If you want to buy another one, is that you got to find the 20% down payment. Um, Let's say you can qualify for a mortgage, but what about the 20% down? So we got stuck there. We didn't have that much money to, to go buy buildings left and right. And we said, you know what? It looks like the way to go is to then find off-market properties. Maybe we try wholesaling or we try fix and flips, right? Uh, we didn't know what we were doing, but one thing that we did right is that we just joined the mastermind early on. Um, and these guys were specializing in finding off-market deals. You know, that was our big theme was find off-market deals, find uh, off-market uh, sellers looking to, to you know, uh, get rid which, of Which mastermind was that? Uh, it's uh, Tucker Maryhew. Uh, he Tucker was in Portland, now he's moved to Florida, but it's called the Deal Finders Academy. Um, That's cool. I'm, he's yeah, still I'm doing still, it? I'm still, I'm still in that um, mastermind. Uh, there's a few local guys there, but... Uh, but everybody else is, is across country. And and again, the, the topic is always, you know, how can we get our direct mail better? How can we generate a good list to mail? How can we create this, um, 
you know, direct to seller marketing, right? That's the main focus. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So you, you held to that first property. You said you're having issue raising money, right? Or how do you come up with 20%? Right. How do you, exactly right. Where so did, did you do wholesaling where you're just, you know, like finding properties and, um, you know, like handing the contract to someone else for a fee or did you do fix and flip and, you know, yeah. how did you start raising that capital? So what I learned next was the, uh, was fix and flips. Um, it, it took me a couple of years until we did the first wholesale. Um, but again, from the mastermind, um, we, we, we learned how to run numbers on an off-market deal to buy it. And, and the first off-market deal we got was, um, 300 Concord Street in Wayland. Uh, the split level house, the guy lived in Florida, older gentleman, he wanted to, to sell it. Uh, I think we paid 330 for that house. Uh, paid too much for it. You know, being our first deal, we just weren't aggressive enough. In Wayland? In Wayland, yep. And um, it needed everything. It was a full gut rehab. It, it took us, I think, eight months to finish it. Uh, I sold that one. I was the agent listing it. I sold it for 660,000. Uh, and even with enough that that big spread between purchase and sale, we still lost money. Uh, I think I, wow. I probably because it was uh, a gut. It was a gut. The renovation, rehab, right? And when you do your first one, I mean, keep in mind you don't know what you're doing, right? So the the GC is running the show. They are charging you left and right for all type of change orders and stuff. So scope of work kind of blew out of control. You know, budget went out the window. We, you know, it was a tough one. Um, what would you do differently? What would you do differently on that first deal? I, that's that's a good question. Um, would you partner up with someone? Probably partner up with someone that understands construction. Um, I would have also negotiated harder up front, and I I learned this along the way that because we still make mistakes, you know, even to this day uh, with construction and stuff. It's it's just you can't you can't prevent and you can't see you know everything from day one as, as far as what's going to happen with the construction. However, if you purchase it at a discount, you are, you know, you are covering yourself. It's, it's true when they say you make your money when you buy in real estate, right? Of course. Um, so I have learned that, that you got to buy at a discount. The more discount, the better, because there are things that are going to happen along the way that you can control. A hundred percent. Right now, for example, is the, you know, the, where is the market going, right? The prices. So if you buy at a higher price, well, you don't know at what price you're going to sell it, right? Because we're just in this uncertain market right now. Our price is going to go down to 3 5%, right? Or 10%. So again, if you buy at a discount, if you buy low enough, then you are covered and you're, you know, you're going to make a profit. So I, I love the fact that you're kind of like involved in every aspect. I mean, you got the listing side of the house, you're holding properties, you're doing these redevelopments wholesaling which is awesome if you want to talk to us actually about wholesaling a little bit yeah. uh are you still doing it and yeah. and it how how you know like just break down a deal like you know for some you know for someone new for right. me actually you know i've never done a wholesale deal yeah yeah, yeah. um wholesaling is great we're doing actually more of it this year than ever before um it's going to be a little challenging this year because there are going to be less buyers than in the past. In the past, if you had a decent deal, you had so many buyers, you know, 
you definitely find a buyer for that property. But basically the, the concept is that we find a property to buy, we go on the seller appointments, talk to the homeowner, get the deal under contract, just like we would purchase it. Um, it goes without saying that you got to find a great deal uh, because now you take that contract that you signed with the homeowner and instead of you closing, finding the money to buy the property, you then find another buyer, right? A fix and flipper, a developer, whoever that likes that deal and you make a spread in between, right? So, um, I mean, we, we do a lot of it and some people are surprised when I tell them some of these are $100,000 wholesale deals. They're not small. Uh, people think that they're <laughs> five, ten grand, and you know that can be true in other states. Right here, it's much harder to find deals. But if you find a good enough deal and you negotiate it hard enough, this can be six-figure, you know, paydays. Uh, but um, I think we have one right now. Um, it's not closed yet. So I'm not going to mention the town, but no, no, yeah. eight fifty, and uh, the buyer is paying nine sixty-five for it. It's a high-end town um high-end property that are you selling directly to a buyer or to a developer to, develop. to a developer yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs full gut and and so um you know so those are on the you know the how much money are you risking up front the pns deposit is typically somewhere between i mean it all it's all negotiable but sometimes it's between you know one percent and five percent right yeah uh, so you risk that because that is not refundable. So Correct. We are getting these deals on the contract. We got to make sure that they are, first of all, we understand the numbers, right? Um, because what, that's where you add value, right? You know, what, what do you do? Do you do a 60 day close or 90 day on these PNSs? The more time, the better, but a lot of the sellers probably just want 30 to 45, 60 days the most, right? They they don't want to wait 90 days. You know, some of them want to close sooner rather than later. Uh, that's not always the case, but um, this one that I just mentioned, I think was a 60-day closing because they were going through some paperwork on their end. Mm -hmm. uh, and what if you don't find a developer? What's your that, what's your exit plan? With the business I run because we can do fix and flips, right? Um, we're not afraid. I know some people that just do wholesaling. And if that's all you do and you cannot find a buyer, well, you risk your deposit, right? Because um, that's pretty much the money that you got on the line. That's going to be the damages if you break that contract. They're going to keep that. Um, so you got to make sure you're really good at, at running numbers, understanding value of the property. You know, uh, the best wholesalers I know, they understand their market inside and out. Um, you know, and and I'm... they're just starting out and they're struggling with that part. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure the question everybody wants to know is how do you get these deals? Yeah, it's that's a, that's a lot of work. So it's um, for us when we started out with just direct mail, and that's all we did. You know, pulled a list, um, and the list was mainly people that had equity in the house, fifty plus, you know, fifty percent or more equity. Um, we were looking for um, people that were fifty years of age or older um and then the third criteria was the time they own the property 10 plus years and, and the logic is that you know people that have stayed in a property for 10 plus years most likely house needs some updating you need equity otherwise they can sell to you at a discount right um and then the third thing being elderly they probably don't want to you know hustle and just get the house on the market and all that stuff they just want an easy transaction and they may want to downsize too and they want to downsize exactly right. So that's our, our avatar. Um, 
you know, that's cool. someone like me, I'm 39, probably, if you know, I'm probably going to list my house, right? So I'm probably not the best uh, type of seller, right? So I don't mail to guys or, you know, ladies that are under 50. You know, that's just, you got to have some criteria when you create this list, because otherwise you're going to have a lot of people on your mailing list. Um, and then you can add specialty lists. We have water shut off. We have probates. We have fire list. We have um, code that's, violations. That's cool. Other specialty ones that you can add to it, right? Uh, but those are smaller lists. And um, but then, so that's step one: create a list of the people that you know we think are going to have a motivation to sell. You can't just reach out to everybody because you're going to spend a lot of money that way. Um, but you create a list. Let's say it's a thousand, two thousand, five thousand people. Then you got to decide what you're going to do next. Um, in my, the way I think about this is, you know, if you have time, you put your time to uh, to to reach out to them, um, meaning, you know, call, call, uh, write letters on your own, you know, do the activities, go door knock, right? But you got to do those activities to get in front of people on that list. If you have money, then you can hire people to do that, right? There is, you know, uh, there are companies out there that do direct mail and they do a really good job at that. So you can outsource that. You can hire cold callers to do the work for you. So mm -hmm. it all depends on where you're at in life, how much time you got or how much money you got. Um, yep. When we started out, it was just time. We did the, you know, the activities. We started writing letters on our own. We cold call, we reached out to agents, wholesalers, all of that. Now we're spending more money than time, right? We're spending um of course you know we got some people helping here at the office we outsource activities and, and stuff like that so it all depends where you are but you got to do all that work um to really um have these leads come to you right and, and the other thing so i started this real estate investing class here at the office it's a free class uh last year we had two of those and, and i got some good feedback from everyone but one thing i pushed a lot is something that i did wrong myself at the beginning which was to tell people what you do you know, to me, when I started out, it looked more like a hobby, you know, I just because I didn't know what I was getting involved in, you know, I was trying to learn, but I didn't have the confidence to tell people, hey, I buy houses, I'm an investor, you know, I'm, I'm looking to build, I'm looking to buy, renovate houses, right? I, I felt like I didn't earn that yet. And it took me a while, you know, it took me a it while does. to get to the point. I tell people now, say, if that's what you want to do, tell everybody about it, right? Uh, if you are in the mortgage industry, I'm sure you tell everybody about it because they want you want people to remember you, you know, when they get that lead or when, when they have the need to sell a property. They want to think of White Acre, let's say, in that case, you know. So now I have it all over, you know, uh, shirts and, and hats and trucks and, you know, whatever. Social right? media. Social media. So that's, uh, you got to really scream from the rooftop. No, you're you're doing it. And, and uh, you know, I mean, what, what better person for me to have on the podcast? Did you ever do any um, any door knocking? Did you door ever have to do any? Of... No, I did it very little here and there, and I would just run away. It's frightening. You gotta, you gotta have door knocking is tough. <laughs> it's it's not because you just don't know how the other person is going to respond, right? Um, and, and but if you have the mindset that hey, you're going there to add value to somebody, you're not really bothering anyone. And, and typically, when I would go out there, I would say something like, hey, we buy houses. Do you know of anyone in the neighborhood that's looking to sell? I wouldn't put them in the position to say yes or no for themselves. Yep. Like, hey, I'm with this company. We buy houses. We bought one down the street. You know, uh, Have you heard of anyone that's looking to sell? We're cash buyers, right? So 
it's a different conversation. You know, ideally you want to leave a card or a brochure behind and maybe they'll call you back, but uh, you never want to go and just door knock and be like, Hey, house looks like crap. <laughs> Are you looking to sell it to me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people mean. make that mistake and I'm sure it can get confrontational because it's, it's like emotional. It's somebody's property. They've lived there for 10, 20 years. Um, <clears throat> exactly. Or, or they're in a foreclosure list or something like that. And you just don't want to mention that, you know, cause obviously it's something yeah. that people are struggling with. Um, you know, you know who are like really good door knockers are these like solar panel guys. The these guys, I mean, these guys must get like some really good training. I mean, they 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 have a a counter to everything you say. And like I I I went through with one. Didn't really like the numbers after when we owned our property in Quincy, and I. I found out that they had left open like two permits <laughs> on the house when we were selling it. But th those guys are, are really aggressive. Um, I don't know what who trains them or Sunrun, I think it is, or I'm not gonna mention any names, but anyways, uh they're 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 really good out there with door knocking. So yeah. and it's a numbers game. I think you can do that with properties too. It's it's a little harder though. Mm -hmm. Because you know when when you door knock for solar, obviously you just door knock you know the neighborhood with with. Um... But they do the same thing. Same One way. of the things they said, "Hey, I helped Mr. Smith down the road. Exactly. We're just setting up this week with solar panels. We help them save energy." Blah. <laughs> well, exactly right. They're establishing credibility right there and then. Right. Hey, I work with your neighbor. Uh, you know, I'm welcome in the neighborhood and and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. You know. What are your favorite projects and why? I mean, you, you're doing a lot, obviously, but you're, you're for us too. Um, that's a good question though. Um, so when I started out, you know, favorite projects were, were fix and flips. Uh, and those have become less and less, you know, exciting for me now. It, it's a lot of work to do this fix and flips. It's, it's a tremendous amount of work between contractors and, you know, building inspectors and, you know, cost of uh, material going up is just a tough business to be in. It's just a tough job on a day-to-day. -day. Uh, mm -hmm. I love wholesaling right now. It just brings, you know, quicker cash in and it just, you know, it's faster. Uh, but the focus has been more on buy and hold because that's that's the reason we, you know, we got started in real estate investing. And then kind of we lost sight of that, you know. And, and um, yeah, you know, we focused on fix and flip and wholesaling and building the office and the business. But um yeah, my favorite right now, you know, it are the full gut rehabs of a buy and hold property. You know, we put a lot of effort into it, change layouts, maximize the bedrooms, you know, have a brand new building at, 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 at once you're done, and then you keep it as a rental. You know, those are the best because then we can get the cash flow for many years to come. Either something like that or a new construction building. You know, those are uh even for that, again, it's a lot of work, but at least you keep the building and you see the fruits of it for many years to come. I appreciate the honest answer on the uh, wholesaling deals that, you know, you make the easy money. And exactly. I mean, sometimes that's that's how it should be, you know, like you've you've put in the effort for all these number of years. And um, I'm sure it's it's worth every, you know, every uh, deal you make. Uh, but on the long term holds, what are what are the the. Uh, time like how how long are you holding them? Do you have a specific time frame? No, right now 
you know, there's really no specific time frame. Um, I think we're getting to a point where some of the buildings we've bought in the past, we, we want to do some 1031 exchanges and just buy into something bigger. Um, this year, we had just pulled a new list for buildings uh, of 10 plus doors. So we want to kind of, you know, in order to scale, we just want to have more rental units under one roof, right? And uh, but gotcha. there's no timeline right now. I think it's it's just a, as we grow the business, it's probably some buildings will be sold and some new ones will be acquired. Um, you know, ideally, if you have a good building, you never want to sell, you know, because they go up in value. Rents have gone up and up. So um, and, rents and, never go down. Right, right. And you build your, I, I feel like you build your net worth by keeping them, right? I mean, you know, I see it with fix and flips. Yes, you make an income. Yes, it looks great when you know uh, on the tax returns but net worth doesn't go up by doing fix and flips or wholesale right uh network goes up when you increase the equity in the properties you hold right yep uh, so. um quick quick selfie over here um that's awesome sorry lost my train of thought for for a second um yeah, no, I, I think the holds are good. What what areas do you like in Massachusetts right now? Are you doing any out of state? No, I'm not. We have one building in New Hampshire, and that's the only one. Um, New Hampshire is great, but I just don't have a team there to to really uh, manage and, and do you know do good work on the construction side. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I struggle going to that building because it's just far away from us, but. Uh, greater Boston, right? So we are in the offices is, is located in Natick. Uh, so Metro West is great. Um, you know, Boston neighbors like Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, Hyde Park, they have been great to us for rentals. Um, so if you know, my favorite would be a Boston neighborhood, just like the one I'm, I mentioned, East Boston. Um, but those have gotten more and more expensive, right? So, um, Metro West, as far as Ooster County, um, that's pretty yep. much our limit, you know, uh, some towns in the South shore, uh, and then North shore. So the way we look at it, um, Sidrid is about an hour drive is our maximum. So if, you know, anything further than that, it's, it's no go for us because it just becomes too much to manage. Makes uh, sense. And then ideally 30 to 45 minutes would be perfect. You know? Gotcha. Um, what about New Bedford, Fall River? Is that yeah, far, too far it's out? It's too far. And I, I don't know that the area, you know, we don't, marketing uh, sounds like a lot of people are investing in there and yeah i mean i have clients buying invest you know a, a client buying a three family there now yeah i um, think numbers make sense in those areas again ooster um you know bet new bedford or fall river i think it's cheaper to purchase mm -hmm. rents are strong um, and i and i think rents haven't really kept up with uh home price appreciation so i think rents are kind of lagging behind right. in a few years those people buying now will probably see even more appreciation in, in the rent. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to see that. I mean, you just need the capital and uh, obviously, like you said, the numbers making sense. Um, chances are any first time home buyer buying now, or even, even an investor buying in Worcester, New Bedford, Fall River, mm -hmm. they'll end up refinancing those loans and their, their cash flow will, will be even greater. So uh, talk to us about social media. What uh, what do you got going on there? I I see you're you're investing a lot more time. Yeah. Um, I've never been to one of your meetups. Uh, I think those are 
excellent ways to to connect with more developers and and real estate professionals. Um, I will definitely join one of those. You should. Uh, you know, but but yeah, crowd. what you're you're involved? I mean, you're doing so much networking, social media. What's your strategy there? Um, the strategy there is just to pretty much you know have put myself out there. Um, I think, you know, by nature, I, 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 you know, I'm an introvert, so it doesn't come natural to me to be in front of crowds and it, getting out of the comfort zone was just a goal I had a few years back and, and creating a meetup, what, what better way than to put yourself in front of other people. Uh, so that was a selfish reason. The other thing is we have to share, right? It's part of, I learned a lot from others that shared with me when I started out, you know, just local guys that I reached out, they're available. Um, so that now it, it's just my time to share what's working for us, what's not working for us. Um, you know, you got to give back. It's just, it's, it's what I enjoy doing and, and has been amazing because now I've grown the network of people I'm around, you know, um, just by me sharing what's working for me, people are coming in, they want to partner, they want to lend money to us. They, they have a deal. They want, you know, someone to look at it. So you know, if you are in real estate business, you're in a people business and you got to be out there. You got to talk to people, you know? And so this is our crowd. Um, and I think social media does that really well. I'm still trying to learn that process. Um, you know, oh, you're doing it. I mean, I see your videos, they pop up on my feed. So <laughs> I think, you know, like you're doing yeah. something right on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, the other thing that kept me going there is the fact that i hired these video guys that are really really good at what they do and and we decided early on that we wanted to start a youtube channel to share you know our journey right the fix and flip the wholesale the buying holes the struggles the marketing all of that so now we get together twice a month you know we block time and it's just you know i cannot escape it I, there's days that i want to escape it i don't want to be on you know in front of camera but i can't because these guys keep me accountable so that's that's my that has been my the, the way I kind of trick myself not to give up on it, you know. Yep. Because if I relied on my own will, I was going to give up on it a long time ago. Uh, but these guys have a contract with me and, and we just, you know, they keep me accountable. You know, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot mess it up. So, you know, I, I'm present. We go different sites and we kind of, you know, shoot content and we talk about how I look at projects and the numbers and, you know, so it, it's good stuff. And, and I know people are getting value out of it. I get a lot of good feedback from the YouTube um, content. And then we take a little bit of that content and then we po post it on social media, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Reels. Are you doing TikTok or? No. no. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, no, it's, it's all good. I mean, you, you, Listen, there's so many real estate uh, agents, professionals on Instagram Right. You could venture venture out to TikTok, but it it's a matter of do you want to put more money into it? You know, right. for me right now, I'm doing a lot of it myself. Yeah. Uh, I I I have like outsourced uh, a lot of the editing for for some of the long form YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Uh, I'm doing the recording, but the editing I want it to look a little more professional so people can stick around and watch the videos longer on YouTube. Um. It's just one of my goals to be on YouTube more this year. Uh, but most of my, you know, TikToks, Reels on Instagram, that they're all me. I mean, I I do get uh, I do I do get uh, Humberto, one of my my guys here, to help me out with the Reels here and there. But not not always, right? Because it it becomes it becomes costly. 
Yeah. Uh, but whatever the strategy is, um, you know, and it works. But blocking time, I think it's it's excellent. You know, like you yeah. you can't escape it. I, I I have three podcasts today. You're my second one right now. So I'm like, oh, you know, like I kept pushing, pushing. Then people yeah. are like, let's do it. I'm like, you know, boom, boom, boom. Scheduled everyone. Um, yeah, it, it's exactly. You have to block time. Otherwise, it will never happen. Right. And it's um, there's other <laughs> urgent stuff that come your way in, you know, in the, the shiny, the shiny object syndrome. Right. You're always going for the. For the yeah. <laughs> Phone's always going to be ringing, you know, text messages, of course. Exactly. Of course. Um, are you, so how are, I'm sure interest rates are impacting your business. How, yeah. how are they? What are you doing? Any, anything you can share? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it depends on which product we're talking about on the fix and flips. We definitely see a, um, we're paying a little bit more to our private and hard money lenders. That's for sure. Um, we have, what are those now? For you. I, I'm at about uh two points and and ten percent. Um, That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. So two points on, on up front, right, on the total amount that that we borrow and and ten percent annual interest. Um, but we have a lot of lenders. Just you know, they have a HELOC, let's say, on on their house, and they take that money when we invest it with us, and they you know they're seeing higher HELOC rates returns. They, so exactly, they charge us a little bit more. So there is pain on that end. And when you have higher interest, it means that now you're going to make probably less profit, right? Because you're paying more in interest. Uh, the fix mm -hmm. and flip, the good thing is that these are quick turnaround projects. So, you know, time is money there. We just got to run fast and make sure we turn the capital and, and you know, we end the project fast. Uh, but also we see it on the exit number, right? Now, properties, we just sold one at the Cape. We're hoping to get 600 for it. We got 575, right? So that's a 5% reduction where at the cape where sandwich. was it sandwich oh okay that's where we own too yeah, yeah. that's and nice Dowager. actually it's closing is today and congrats and drive thank you uh but what, what's the what's the address uh I, I if you can share stuff. yeah d-o-w-a-g-e-r okay. okay number 10 10 dowager drive dowager okay okay yeah. and ina is the, is the listing agent for that one nice uh, she's awesome yeah we're hoping for <laughs> She is. We were hoping for 600. We got 575, right? So it's not bad. Still a great deal. We paid 350 for it. Um, put about 100,000 into it. So it's, it's a good deal overall. But I'm saying, you know, prices did come down because of the high interest rates. Uh, you got less buyers. When did you acquire it? We bought this, I believe, in August, if I'm not mistaken. 22? Yeah, 22 this year. That's really good. Yeah. So um, it was a newer house. It was built in 1989. Just had a lot of deferred maintenance. Um, wow. And just we went in and updated kitchen, bathrooms, floors, it did siding, you know, all that stuff, new windows. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. But so that's, you know, to go back to your question, you see, you know, you see less buyers out there. And if this was actually back in March or April or even May, I think we would have got 600 or maybe even a little bit more, you know, because there's just a, this fresh of course. overbidding, right? Um, we still got over asking price, but it's a little less than, uh, you know, what we're expecting. Expecting. So, yeah, you you know, as a fix and flip, you got fix and flipper, you got to be careful there with these high interest rates. You're going to probably your profit margins will shrink unless you do a really good job negotiating and buying up front, you know? 
um, I, I think, you know, if I want to put a theme to this podcast, if <laughs> buy, you know, buy right when you're buying up front, especially in this environment, you know, a hundred percent, you make your money when you purchase real estate. A hundred percent. And I think if rates do drop, we're probably going to have a more stable purchase market and, uh, I mean, kudos to you for taking risk. I mean, you never know where rates are going to go, right? Uh, you just got to do as good of a job as you can up front running numbers and have like a worst case scenario too, right? Where you lose money and uh, can you afford to do that and what it means for you and your business. Right. Um, no, that's great. Uh, I hope we can do this again, Ennis. You've, you've given so much value and... People charge a lot of money for just to like get you to a course, you know, hey, sign up my $99 course. Then it's like, oh, yeah, but we have a full two day class for 1500 bucks. Right. And it's and it's this information. And I appreciate that because, um, you know, I, I, I know you're 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 a straight up guy, you know, like you, you want to help people out there. Um, you know, like you have good intentions and, and that's why you're doing great things. Um, and, and I appreciate you, uh, for, for sharing all this information. I mean, I, I learned a few things, especially with, with wholesaling. Um, but no, thank you. We'll, we'll do this again. And I wish you only success and good health in 2023. <laughs> thank you, man. No, this was great. I, I appreciate it. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Let's, let's do a round to it at some point. Let's do it. Thank you, Anis. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Your support means so much to me. And one way for you to support me is by following this podcast and liking this episode and also by leaving a review. In addition, don't forget to check out my Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube at sidrit.veseli for more daily content. If there's anything I can help you with, message me directly on any of my platforms. Thank you and talk to you soon.